0: Hello, thanks for joining me on my podcast for the introductory about us episode. I'm your host, Sarat Chandra Vasiraju, and in this abbreviated episode, I'll explain what this podcast is all about and how it can help you augment yourself, your business, your career, and a little bit about who I am. If you're into product management or looking to transition into product management, which I know a lot of you are, I will help you with the tips that stem from the discussions that we are going to have. My goal is also to help you discover the most effective product management ideas that you can deploy to grow your business and also help your career as well. Product management is going through a wrenching transformation right now and that pace is quickening. Being a product manager, or if you're into product management, requires having both breadth and depth of understanding which needs to encompass the organization, the business, the people, the customers, and the technology, which sometimes is very daunting and scary. So, it can be frightening for a person who is coming to grips with the fact that the skills that they have used and perfected over their careers are now becoming obsolete. Nowadays, product managers have to be digitally savvy, analytical, and much more adept at understanding the technology stack. So, with this podcast, I intend to help you stay abreast of the important changes in product management and help you discover how you can use that as a competitive advantage for your business and career. Enough about me and the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Let's dive right in. Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. My guest for today is Pavitra Ravishankar, and she has over a decade of experience in mobility and automotive aftermarket domains. In my recent interactions, I found her to be a zealous person who puts soul in both professional and personal undertakings. She is an agile enthusiast who loves to explore new aspects of agile methodologies and apply it in day-to-day life. Interesting fact, she is a huge fan of Carnatic music and she holds a degree from the Karnataka Music Academy. So Pavitra. Welcome to the Elbow Greece podcast. Hi, Thanks a
1: lot.
0: Tell me about your experience with AIMA and NCYM, the Young Manager Award that you won. Can you walk us through that? What was that all about?
1: Sure. So, um, this is AIMA, All India uh, Management Association. So, they've been in this industry like uh, uh, for more than uh, three or four decades. So, every year they come up with a contest where they give a team and encourage the young managers to participate in it. So, the aim of this is to bring out the uh, you know management aspects, the talents within young managers, and the competitive edge and what they are up to. So, uh, the edition which we participated was the 46th National Competition for Young Managers. So, every year they come up with a theme and aim to submit an offline synopsis. And then there is a presentation where all the companies across India participate. So we participate in different regions, and the regional winners are then taken up to the national. So uh, the theme for this year was transformation leadership, winning strategies in uncertain times with a uh, kind of light on the pandemic and how you know leadership uh, has uh, transformed. So that's what the topic was about. So we represented Bosch in the East region, then uh, we went up to the nationals where the two teams from each region came up to it. And in the national, our team came first and I was adjunct as the uh, tester, manager of the year. So, this is the tradition which followed and we were proud to represent Bosch. and even the team was very, very touching this time. And we had to pick up a live use case from what we worked on and yeah, that's
0: about it. Wow. Okay. That gives me a nice segue. So, what was, what was the project that you worked upon? What was that uh, use case that you picked? Sure.
1: So, uh, as I said, the team was transformation in leadership, and what is the winning strategy in uncertain times. So, um, mm-hmm. how we build our framework, is, right from time of immemorial. uncertainties is not something new. It has made an appearance, it has shattered the universe, the tales of gods and angels incarnating, triumphing over different uncertainties, restoring the past we balance. All this is very, very innumerable stories, and especially ancient mythology. So, one such legend is the of to Tashavata. And we chose the third avatar, Varaha, as a framework to tell our success today. And coming to the use case, so I work for the mobility in India. So we have a project house, which is part of this Laksha transformative uh, program in Bosch. And there we had a project called as Park Ruiz, which is nothing but a smart parking solution. So it helps people as a digital enabler to have a seamless experience for the parking. And this solution went live just before the pandemic which is around approximately September 2020. And with the COVID, I think the parking market was just shut down. So what did we do? The of journey was very inspiring because the self-motivated team decided not to get COVID down with COVID. So the Park Zoo yeah. was converted to CareZoist. The Park Zoo is actually in the mobility domain. Caresuit is a project which we came up in the healthcare domain with absolute no prehistoric uh, experience in healthcare. Using a platform and digitization, we stepped into healthcare and we were ready with the COVID patient tracking for the government, the P M P sector, and we entered the PPMP war room and our solutions were evaluated. So, this transformation of a path to to a care to S from uh, like, you know, two domains which are probably east and west, and all this happened, the transformation is two and a half months, and today we are live in. Bosch healthcare centers, and we track close to 200 pets. So this transformative framework, and what was the winning strategy? What we presented in the forum.
0: Wow, and uh, was this a virtual event this time?
1: Yeah, I think it usually happens face to face, and this time I think they also went digital for the first time. So we had some pointers, like you know, how was your roadmap? What were the challenges? And how did this transformation happen? So, uh, we had juries of, uh, consisting of CEOs, CFOs, entrepreneurs and uh, the feedback what we got was we kind of represented what transformation we only need and we also brought in the fact that the triple bottom line, you know, upliftment of planet, people and profit was what our framework of project did. For instance, Caresworth was a pro bono project given to the PPMB to trap the COVID pit, which was the need of the art at that time, Way back in March. And the people led the transformation and eventually it cul- uh, culminated to profit where we had a commercial, commercialized version of schedule. And such a transformation and uncertainty, uh, you know, in a span of three months, this is what we kind of uh, depicted there.
0: Yeah. Amazing, amazing. I think, how are you handling your teams virtually uh, right now, Pavitra, in this pandemic? How hard or easy it is yeah, for you?
1: I said. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's equally challenging for me as everyone would have said like, you know, we miss our team both, we miss the huddle, we miss the tea break, we miss the, we miss being there physically and there for each other. Things where you could have moved any impediment just by turning and looking at each other now requires a phone call for everything you need to say. Hi, hello, are you there? Sharing this screen, you. So all this kind of digital uh, leaps even we've had. Um, yeah, we did we, we create some initial challenges but I think we've been pretty agile and we've adapted and things are good now. Good, good. So, tell me about
0: how did you get into agile and why do you think it is important because I'm asking this question purely because we met through an agile conference and uh, that right. is where I was introduced to you. And I love the way you entirely handled uh, a lot of things over there. I mean, I was on leave for a week and then you took it all all on your shoulders. So how did you get into Agile and or what was the transformation? Or how was the transformation like? Yeah,
1: for me, I think Agile is not a, a, a very uh, big deal or it's not a new block. It's it's For me, Agile is being cool. You kind of adapt and you get to respond to changes quickly. And most importantly, you can discover and learn along the way of building the product. And you you can make your mistakes and look back at it, learn from it. So for me, more than all this, agile is like a belief. It's a mindset that something is possible. Uh, you know, on the way while you explore. So and I strongly believe in it, not just in profession but also in the personal life. And if you ask me why agile is important, uh, professionally it simply offers a competitive advantage. What you would get by embracing it.
0: That's it. Wow! Great. Now, I will ask you this question because I have a different notion of agile altogether um, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'll put forward my perspective. So what I think is um, it is going to work amazingly well for an internet business, right? Or a consumer internet facing business. Um, And since you told me that you have worked on healthcare domains, uh, automotive uh, markets, can agile be applied over there? Because you are contributing to a much larger uh, group of people and as I said the after effects of failing fast or all of that could be detrimental. So how did you navigate along those challenges because we are failing fast in terms of finding a solution or it could be a software solution that we worked upon as well. But how did you navigate through that? I I think it's uh, just a myth that uh, you
1: know, Agile can be only in the IT or the internet. Yeah, I agree it's more popular. It's definitely more popular, proven, and people are probably embraced it more faster there. But I've heard of manufacturing plans adapting Agile. And even with my experience, we have set up an Agile framework for sales, as cool as that. So sales is something which comes probably even after, uh, you know, irrespective of the product you build, whether it's the manufacturing or the software. So we have had kind of an Agile, a Agile, very cool the sales colleagues, we had the purchasing department, we even had, um, you know, uh, people who are not so contributing to the development. All of us coming to get, together and responding quickly and trying to establish this product and quickly going right. So, as I said, if I take the same example where, you know, we just stepped in from one uh, probably a mobility domain to a healthcare. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though the product involves RC software, it was an IoT solution, it had a lot of hardware, it had firmware. And even we involve the sales colleagues to pitch in and get the customers in Agile mode. So I strongly believe it's just about the way you do, how quickly you adapt, how do you embrace things, how do you approach things, how do you look at a mindset. So there, uh, I still have hope that Agile can be applied.
0: On that note, I also wanted to check with you or even get your insights on how do you build these high velocity teams? Because that's, a, um, that's the lingo that Agile people use, right? So, how do you build these high velocity teams or what does it even mean or how do you achieve that?
1: Yeah, I think uh, high velocity, see velocity is now kind of uh, something very popular. Everyone you talk about wants to have a very high velocity, high performing team. For me, velocity is only like a self-check. It's something like a BMI of the body. It's, It's something organic what suits you and how you're able to, you know, be fit. That's how I see velocity as. It shouldn't be considered as a metric or it's not a comparing parameter. Uh, This team has, it's it's a very popular myth in Agile, right? What's your velocity? So that's not a question what an external should ask someone who's performing within the team. It's something what a question comes from within the team on how we are doing it. So it's a self benchmarking and it's probably doing better every day from within. Having said that, how do you uh, have a high velocity team? For me, I think just let it be don't make a big fuss out of it or don't micromanage or don't try to imbibe things and force a kind of a culture into the team. If you kind of let the team be organic, have the trust in the team and let it self-organize, I see Velocity will be just an outcome which we can plan for.
0: That, That gives me or brings me to an excellent question again, which is how do you resist to micromanage? Because it's easy for us to not micromanage, but when the kind of work that we do has an immediate effect on cost or top-line revenue that an organization is making. How do you resist to micromanage? How do you stop yourself from asking these questions or micromanaging people?
1: I think asking questions is physically okay. That, I think that's not micromanaging. Asking questions, anyone could ask questions. In fact, you need to kind of uh, have a culture where you deck the team questions themselves. So how do I resist the micromanage, I'll just take a very uh, uh, common example, I'm a parent, I'm a mother of a toddler who's three years old, uh, some of these aspects of management can be beautifully drawn parallel with kids, I think kids are the best teacher. So there was a stage when I had shifted from uh, uh, you know, feeding to solid and uh, typically I had the urge to kind of look into how much is he eating, how am I going to ensure all of this is going in, how many meals per day, I tried to kind of distract feed and so uh, the meantime, it got very, very serious where I had to literally measure how much he's eating, try to stuff in food, show TV, show that, compare with all other kids. But then I realized that's only stressing me out. If I try to get into every smaller aspect, uh, you know, food is very important. That's going to be like your ecosystem within the body till you uh, uh, breed last. Then I just took a step back and I just put some few pieces of food on the plate and I just went away. Slowly things were getting better and uh, I was kind of giving him the capacity to judge his own stomach. So that lesson and the way beautifully now where I can see him healthy and it takes me very less effort and very less stress. This was something I tried kind of drawing a parallel into management. So why don't you just trust the team? Why don't you just let them pick what they want to do and how they want to execute it? And be as an enabler rather than manage it. So, uh, this I kind of experimented and I felt the results are more uh, lasting and sustainable. Yeah, of course, you will not be able to see the results immediately, but if you just let the team be what it is, trust them, enable them and motivate them, I think that's the best way of uh, uh, enabling rather than managing.
0: Which again brings me to another question. Um, so, you said experimenting, which gave you the room with yes. your toddler at the moment. How do you experiment with these teams, when you, especially when you have a delivery in a couple of weeks? Typically, in an Agile framework, you will have to deliver within two weeks or four weeks time frame, I assume, right? So, how do you yeah. experiment yeah. within that time frame that you've got? Is it detrimental? What are the challenges that you see? Give us your thoughts. Yeah, I think the Agile framework itself is
1: beautifully built in on experimenting. Uh, the failing fast mode where uh, see, in a, typically in a traditional project management the experiment, the period or the result period would be a little longer. Here it's only a week or 10 days or typically if I take an average of 10 days, like consider a sprint. So there when you experiment I and mean when you retrospect, you already know whether it's working or not. And based on those results, you can quickly adapt to the next. So it's not a very huge... Uh, it's not something magical or it's not something which you'll have to spend a lot of time on. You would eventually get to know when that sprint is over. So I think Agile is built on that mode and how do we experiment here? Yeah. Uh, we, we also have delivery, we also have to take care of the deadline. But we need to understand pressurizing or doing the micromanagement and giving the command control mode might work in a short term. But it would lapse on a sustainable long term strategic mode. So, it is better to let the experiments fail quick, adapt and then build and then something.
0: Amazing. On that note, how do you handle introverted people on your team? Do you have any? And if if yes, how do you handle them?
1: Uh, My belief is the team is of course a mixture of, it's like a family, right? Not everyone is the same. Everyone has their personal character, uh, the nature by which they are brought up. So, my belief is, yeah, I have had introverts and, um, yeah, I, it has taken them weeks to even open up. But what I have learned is just respect that it is okay to be an introvert. Give in them that space, give them that time and still involve them. So, maybe they would take time, but they would observe how the team is mingling in a stand up or how the team is kind of interacting with each other. So, involve them, but do not force them and respect them probably they would have their own way of expressing. So, just pick up that and work on it. I think that diversity, uh, we talk about diversity in uh, culture, diversity in gender, diversity in the way we work. So, this is the diversity in the person you are. Just respect it, give them
0: the time and space. Amazing answer. I think culture, I am a big fan of culture as well, Pavitra. The simple reason is culture is made by the people who were in it at that point in time. So, if you can take care of the people who are there uh, at that moment in time, Uh, I think it makes a lot of difference for the projects as well. Now, how important it is for us to be technical, uh, Pavitra? Or do we even have to be technical as managers, as product managers, as project managers? How important it is? Uh, I think the very word technical, at least
1: for me, it's quite... uh, people have different perspective on it. Technical uh, for a developer or for a fresher or someone who's into the product development could be coding or could be giving the hands on it. For a salesperson, even if you know about the product, that is a technical knowledge. So it really depends on the context, but coming from an engineering company like uh, uh, Robert Bosch, where we are into the management of products and projects, technical intelligence would help us to kind of enable people and help you to build the right product. And it gives you a better understanding on what you build. So for me, technical is the technical knowledge of the product. And you know what to build and what direction to it and the other details of course we have the varied skill sets where people take care of it so for me as a manager the process people product knowledge is very important so if you consider that as technical yeah we need to have a technical
0: insight. i completely agree with that as well um how do you motivate your team like for example you know that in two weeks of time you haven't delivered something and your product backlog typically keeps growing all the time. It never shrinks. And in my experience, it has always grown. How do you keep the morale up? How do you motivate your team?
1: Yeah, I I, I think it's definitely uh, important to be motivated because uh, there are only few things which as a project manager, we have in control. For example, if we talk about the rewards and the award system and the salary and all that, that's pretty much in the forte of a company, right? That's not something what we can take care of. But there are... Something for sure we could take care of. I mean, instead of being very generic, let me just take an example. So, uh, we have some processes which are mandatory, right? Like, you will have to find out why the quality is different, why there are so many review issues, and all these retrospections and the ceremonies come into picture every sprint. Sometimes, you know, you don't get that response, and the team is a little uh, demotivated to kind of uh, pour in and be there every sprint acting like a delivery. So, I'll just give you an example of a simple exercise I did. So after the milestone, I wanted the team to come together and give me some inputs. So I did not start directly with the presentation on what went well, what did not go well. I said, give me 15 minutes, I'm going to present something. What I had done was I had mapped a cartoon character to my team was around 15 or 19 at that time. So I had uh, invested some time and talked through what kind of people are. And I had mapped a cartoon character to each one of them. I had Hulk, then I had Spider-Man, then I had <laughs> Bhagavad so all that, and people really enjoyed it. And the post that session, I could see some kind of mooding and people kind of participating to it. And uh, and even today, we kind of address some people with that nickname what we formed. So what I mean to say is that people element, especially in the digital mode, to get that attention or to think in some perspective and get the point or the outcome of the meeting, post it is really helpful. This is what at least, I have discovered, so try to have something, uh, keep that right part of the brain on throughout your meeting, have something out of the way and have something uh, questioning or interrogating, something which people would uh, kind of respond to and relate to and if you keep that people element and what is in it for them and uh, some kind of, uh, um, uh, you know, you can capture their heart and soul to it, I think it works well, even if it is a very hard for technical
0: you wonderfully set it up for my next question as well, Pavitra. So, I'm a
1: uh-huh.
0: um, firm believer of having a good EQ on a team, emotional intelligence, than even playing on IQ. Because I believe that yeah. IQ will get commoditized over the next decade or over the next five years as well. And EQ is something that you need to have. Now, yeah. when we are going through this transformation, everyone is talking about mm-hmm. EQ, which is empathy and and being empathetic towards your colleagues or being kind. And I think I am seeing a paradigm shift from, Mm. um, you know, a a, a boss and an employee culture versus being friends. Right? Being friends with your manager. So, why do you think it is important? And uh, have you done it? If you've done it, how did you put it to play? I I love this question. Thanks for
1: that, Sharad. I think the empathy, uh, being kind to people... Um, then understanding, getting into a little more of interpersonal skills, all that have traditionally been marked as a feministic value. If you see in traditional leadership or management, um, we had that kind of, uh, it was so called classified as masculine value, command and control, the communication skills, getting things, the planning, all that. But I think post pandemic, at least, it has been very much proven. The so-called Marx feministic values are those which have made the change and enabled the transformation of what we are today. We talk about collaboration, then we talk about you know uh, more flexibility. Uh, let us continue to work from home. Let us understand the work-life balance. But earlier we had work and life. I think now it's all just in one place. Uh, we suddenly have HR policies some are more family-oriented. We involve them. So all these have made the you know, the rising expectations balance to what we can deliver. So as organizations have come out effortlessly to stand behind the employees, ensure their safety, um, you know, well-being during the pandemic, so those are the ones which have made the difference and kind of brought out what it is. So today, uh, if you talk about any daily talks or what the leaders talk, we talk about empathy. They talk about what uh, uh, they would do to understand their employees, the need of the colleagues, you know, and simultaneously stay on the growth track. So, time paradigm shift has definitely been enabled to reach so-called feministic value. and I think uh, the pandemic has brought it out in light. So, yeah, kudos to it. It's great. So, I would personally value emotions and I always value copability rather than capability. And uh, EQ and VQ together,
0: I think, it's in the rock. I completely agree. And uh, I saw this meme somewhere, and uh, I also remember that we also were a great fan of memes during our agile conference. I saw yeah. a meme that <laughs> right. um, recently that some of the leaders, I mean, some of the changes in the organizations that the leaders could not bring for a very long time. I think the pandemic has brought it right away. So, and you rightly put it across. Um, what yeah, is the yeah. one common myth about our professions that you would like to debunk?
1: Um, I wouldn't say profession because I think there is a lot and lot of uh, myths revolving around IT that we just look at the computer, tuck tuck, tuck only, brain uh, work. I think we do beyond that. So today, if you take any sector, you, you talk about agriculture, IT is there. You talk about the railway, IT is there. You talk about food industry, anything that connects people, I think we are there. So we have pretty much broken all those uh, myths of, you know, uh, the kind of uh, degree of uh, work or the labor what we do. But uh, there is one myth in IT which I would like to break, taking my example. There is a myth that if you are in a company for very long, you kind of uh, get stagnant. I want to debunk that. Uh, The point is, where you are matters, but what and how you do things matter the more. So I joined the a pressure. It could have completed around 10 years. I've been in the same department. So even technically, I've got like wide range of experiences from, you know, being in an established project, which is now running for more than 15 years, which is still the cash cow of the department, where process and all that takes a kind of a, a, a more um, importance. And I've also been to models of automation where projects were scrapped out, but I got the best learnings in terms of you know, performing a cost-benefit analysis, how do you convince your customers? And today I speak to the mobility sector where we are building a digital ecosystem. And I believe work, apart from this, all the extracurricular activities, the event management, uh, the anchoring, being there for ideation workshops, all that has brought out the best uh, project or program management skills. You know, when you do an event, that is when you learn what is the program management, or project management. Because you have budgeting there, you have scheduling, you have to handle dynamics, you have to handle people's emotions, you have to handle risk management, being agile. So all that I thoroughly enjoyed. And uh, today when people ask me, how should you been there for 10 years without jumping? I would rather say I think that variety is being the spice. So it is about what do you undertake and how do you do and how do you make a difference. stands out so probably even if I jumped like three-four company, this wide range of experience and variety probably I might not have guessed it. So,
0: don't wait for an opportunity, just grab it, shine it and make a difference. Nice, sweet. Um, how do you hire people on your team, uh, Pavitra? Do you make those choices? Um, what? Um, go ahead, go ahead, please. I didn't get that
1: last part, your voice. So, how do
0: you hire people on your team?
1: How do I hire? Yeah, I think of course the technical um, uh, excellence of course matters. It has to match with what we are looking for. But beyond that, one thing what I look for is the co Like, you know, the attitude really matters. So this might be a popular dialogue, but why that has happened? We've had experience, especially when we talk about an agile team, collaboration really matters. So like now we have executed the project for one year. We have already a set benchmark of how the team has so well has collaborated, so when you get a new person onto the team, the balancing of the dynamics matters more. And dynamics is directly proportional to your delivery, trust me. So when you have to balance the dynamics, what matters? It, it, it's the attitude and how the person is. So we always look for a very collaborative person in our team and that has worked best for us.
0: I completely agree, and even I keep saying this, or uh, one of the mantras that I also use while hiring, um, is that if, if the person joining can understand or uh, can roll with my current boys and girls in the team, and he has to just gel well with the team. so that's one of the most important things that I look for, because hiring is guessing. you know after you, you hire only then you know. Um, so I think we all get better with it as, uh, with our experience. So thank you for that one mantra. Uh,
1: now, Hi five for Akshara. I am a strong believer of that as well. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank
1: you. Now, I
0: want to ask you a very interesting question. How would your parents describe what you do for a living?
1: Uh, my parents, I think, typical uh, stereotype. They say software engineer. But at least I think uh, my parents at least understand that I do something beyond. Because one day they see me kind of hooking oh, you know, up. cultural even one sudden day they see me going for a conference or a technical... Uh, I so they understand, I think this is where I um, probably want to be or she's picking out things, but you she can't get in that something. But yeah, if they have to describe what I do. They say that, you know, um, I'm a software engineer, but they're very proud of the fact that I've been in Bosch. I mean, just a small story connected to that. So when I was in my high school, uh, we used to stay in so So myself and my dad, we used to go shopping to Majwala markets to, you know, buy vegetables. So on the way back, I think I didn't have a, Ambition or something that time, I looked at the uh, building, manla building, that time there was no forum. So I said one day I would get into a company like this. So I didn't I didn't know I would take it that seriously. So probably kind of, I'm in a place where I aim to be. Uh, but for parents, yeah, I think they've given me a lot of independence in choosing. But if you ask them to describe what I do, it would be a software engineer.
0: <laughs> so love that. Um, I want to ask you an interesting question so what is the one thing that your program did for your um, client that you did not expect like a fork in the road like an unexpected situation where everything uh, in front of you was a hurdle so what was that did you ever have that kind of situations with your clients yeah I wouldn't say a ton but a
1: Had an unexpected u-turn so initially when we started the project it was like in, in our company at least we have typically a project um ownership where it lies with the client and we do the engineering activities or where we take the complete ownership so at least when we started the project initially the client did not believe in agile because i don't know because of the previous uh, experience with agile or uh, uh, not sure of uh, the different kind of aspects which we came across mm-hmm. So, uh, when we executed, and after some time, he said, I think now I understand what the right <laughs> topic is. And the U-turn for us was, um, "Sharat, I yes.
0: think I'm not able to hear you. Am I audible now? Yeah, you're audible now. And
1: how about me?
0: Yes, yes, yes. Go ahead. I think this is a classic uh, okay. case of people asking, am I audible? And all of our discussions over the internet all of our virtual engagements happen with this one question can you hear me first
1: can you hear me is my screen visible yes uh... yes
0: (laughs) well i i keep joking as well it's with some of the clients that i'm working um for right now i even tell them that you know what this this can you see or my internet dropped is like saying i'm stuck in traffic Ah. (laughs) So, it's a common reason. Go ahead. Um, I, I, I'm i sorry for uh, interrupting. Go ahead.
1: No, not at all. So, what I was saying, we had a U-turn went from engineering responsibility. He, from project manager, uh, he gave us a kind of a full-stack product management experience and he entrusted it with the entire project. So, right from customer onboarding to uh, indirectly marketing it and to take the ownership of the product, build the product roadmap. And for the kind of a digital marketplace ecosystem, what we are building is a complete strategic project, which at least I see a roadmap of next two to three years. So that was a pleasant roadmap where, no know, a lot of uh, uh, kind of sudden ownership and something which we're not used to and we only focus on the engineering. So that was a little interesting for me and we are, I think we're grabbing it as an opportunity and we're still uh, uh, probably thinking aloud on how to go ahead with this. This is just one incident what I could share of, yeah.
0: Great, great. So, what do you think is overrated about our profession? What do you think is underrated about our profession?
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Just my personal view, I feel some of these certifications are kind of overrated. I mean, not naming any, but uh, especially in project management, uh, compared to the technical career path, um, the, the... the kind of that branding, the certifications of project management, that is a little overrated. Of course, I do important branding. Is, you know, To some extent, it can take your career ethic. But that's slight more focus on the typical certification. And what is underrated is probably uh, the range or uh, the categories of work what we do. I think uh, we are into a lot more uh, different scenarios than what people think of. The kind of stakeholders what we deal with, for instance, we have to talk to the management, <laughs> the process guys, the client, uh, the team, then to ourselves sometimes. So I think sometimes we are a punch bag and the range of topics what we deal with, it has soft skill, it has technical, it has people management, it has risk management. So that work or the range of categories of work as I said, uh, which has um, uh, leadership and the product touch with it, that is a little bit under it.
0: Oh, I truly agree with the certifications, Pavitra. I see a lot of them uh, going through these certifications. No offense to anybody, but uh, I would love to see these skills put to play, right? Uh, That's when you will actually reap whatever you learn. It's like, um, we all finished engineering, but we realized after we got our jobs, um, how hard it is to actually put those things to play. So all of those people, all of those listeners who are actually pursuing your certifications, put them to play, please. Now, one interesting question that I wanted to ask you, Pavitra, is when will Pavitra say, I made it in my career? What's your ambition? What do you want to be known for, both professionally and uh, personally as well? To be very honest, I didn't have any kind of, you know,
1: that goal, and then I'm trying to hit that bull's eye. But one thing which has kept me going and uh, where I already feel I have believe it is the HQ. This is just a new terminology I've heard of EQ, VQ, IQ, so many things. This is HQ. HQ is like happiness quotient for me. So, if I take up anything, any activity or any event or any project or a, a small venture in my personal life, if it is able to satisfy my soul and I feel that happiness, I think then I feel I've beat it.
0: I truly agree with you and I cannot thank you for that answer, Pavitra, because happiness drives everything. And even in teams that we have today, if the team is happy, I think it's easy for us to motivate them. I think it's easy for us to keep the morale up. Everything just falls into place, isn't it? It's like a marriage that happens. Um, Although it's tough, you know, where people want to have each other's back. I think that kind of a team is really hard to achieve. And you hit the nail on the head. Happiness has to be the next important thing right after emotional intelligence. Now, thank you so much, Pavitra. And if people want to know more about you, where can they find you? Can you leave us your, uh, the platforms that you're on, where they can connect with you more to ask these questions personally and both professionally? Yeah, I think probably a mix of
1: platform or an informal one. I think I'm there on FT and I'm there on LinkedIn as well. So, yeah, anytime I, I on collaboration. I am a very very um, people looking forward kind of a person. So, looking forward for a lot of interactions and discussions and Sharat, thanks a lot for this. It was very very interesting questions and I thoroughly enjoyed the session.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much Pavitra and thank you for um, agreeing on a weekend and uh, thank you for taking the time out today and even speaking with me. Thank you so much Pavitra.
1: All the best Sharad. Good going with the podcast.
0: Yeah. Thank you. See thank you, you soon. Thank Bye-bye. You. See you then. Bye, guys. So, if you enjoyed the episode, please do leave us a review. And until next time, thank you so much. Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. My guest for today is Pavitra Ravishankar, and she has over a decade of experience in mobility and automotive aftermarket domains. In my recent interactions, I found her to be a zealous person who puts soul in both professional and personal undertakings. She's an agile enthusiast who loves to explore new aspects of agile methodologies and apply it in day-to-day life. Interesting fact: she's a huge fan of Carnatic music and she holds a degree from the Karnataka Music Academy. So, Pavitra, welcome to the Elbow Grease Podcast.
1: Hi, Kevin. Thanks a lot. Thanks for it, man. Welcome.
0: No problem, Pavitra. So, Pavitra. Tell me about your experience with AIMA and NCYM, the Young Manager Award that you won. Can you walk us through that? What was that all about?
1: Sure. So, um, this is AIMA, All India uh, Management Association. So, they've been in this industry like uh, uh, for more than uh, three or four decades. So, every year they come up with a contest where they give a team and encourage the young managers to participate in it. So the aim of this is to bring out the uh, you know management aspects, the talents within young managers, and the competitive edge and what they are up to. So uh, the edition which we participated was the 46th national competition for young managers. So every year they come up with a theme and into to submit an offline synopsis. And then there is a presentation where all the companies across India participate. So we participate in different regions, and the regional winners are then taken up to the national. So uh, the theme for this year was transformation leadership, winning strategies in uncertain times with a kind of light on the pandemic and how leadership uh, has uh, transformed. So that's what the topic was about. So we represented Bosch in the East region. Then uh, we went up to the Nationals where the two teams from each region came up to it. And in the Nationals, uh, our team came first and I was object object as the uh, best manager of the year. So this is the tradition which followed and. We were proud to represent Bosch, and even the team was very, very touching this time. And we had to pick up a live use case from what we worked on and yeah, that's about
0: it. Wow. Okay. That gives me a nice segue. So what was, what was the project that you worked upon? What was that uh, use case that you picked?
1: Sure. So, uh, as I said, the team was transformation in leadership and what is the winning strategy in uncertain times. So, um, Mm-hmm. How we built our frameworks, right from times immemorial, Uncertainty is not something new. It has made an appearance, it has shattered the universe, the tales of gods and angels incarnating, triumphing over different uncertainties, restoring the cosmic balance, all this is very, very innumerable stories, and especially ancient mythology. So one such legend is the of to Tashavata. and we chose the third avatar, Varaha, as a framework to tell our success today. And coming to the use case, so I work for the mobility in India. So we have a project house, which is part of this Lakshya transformative uh, program in Bosch. And there we had a project called a Park Ruin, which is nothing but a smart parking solution. So it helps people as a digital enablers to have a seamless experience for the parking. And this solution went live just before the pandemic, which is around approximately September 2020. And with the COVID, I think the parking market was just shut down. So what did we do? The transformative journey was very inspiring because the self-motivated team decided not to get go down with COVID. So the Park Zoo is converted to CareZoist. The Park Zoo is actually in the mobility domain. CareZoist is a project which we came up in the healthcare domain with absolute no prehistoric uh, experience in healthcare. Using a platform and digitization, we stepped into healthcare and we were ready with the Covid patient tracking uh, for the government, the BPMB sector and we entered the PPMP war room and our solutions were evaluated. So this transformation of a path to a care to S uh, like from you like know, two domains which are probably east and west and all this happened, the transformation is two and a half months and today we are live in Bosch healthcare centers and we track close to 200 beds. So this transformative framework and what was the winning strategy? What we presented in the forum.
0: Wow! And uh, was this a virtual event this time?
1: Yeah, every year it usually happens uh, face to face, and this time I think they also went digital for the first time. So we had some pointers like you know how was your roadmap, what were the challenges, and how did this transformation happen? So uh, we had juries of uh, consisting of uh, CEOs, CFOs, entrepreneurs. And uh, the feedback what we got was we kind of represented what transformation we really means. need. And we also brought in the fact that the triple bottom line, you know, upliftment of planet, people and profit was what our framework of project did. For instance, CareZoes was a pro bono project given to the PPMP to track the covid pit which was the need of the art at that time, the attack in March. And the people led the transformation. And eventually it cul- uh, culminated to profit where we had a commercial, commercialized version of casualty. And such a transformation and uncertainty, uh, you know, in a span of three months, this is what we kind of uh, depicted
0: there, yeah. Amazing, amazing. I think, how are you handling your teams virtually uh, right now, Pavitra, in this pandemic? How hard or easy it is yeah,
1: for you? I said. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's equally challenging for me as everyone would have faced, like, you know, we miss our team boards, we miss the huddle, we miss the tea break, we miss the... We miss being there physically and there for each other. Things where you could have moved any impediment just by turning and looking at each other and now requires a phone call for everything you need to say. Hi, hello, are you there? Sharing the screen. So all this kind of digital um, leaps even we've had. Um, yeah, we, we, we did face some initial challenges, but I think we've been pretty agile and we've adapted and things are good now
0: good good so tell me about how did you get into agile and why do you think it is important because i'm asking this question purely because we met through an agile conference and uh, that is where i was introduced to you and i love the way you entirely handled uh, a lot of things over there i mean i was on leave for a week and then you took it all all on your shoulders so how did you get into agile and or what was the transformation or how was the transformation like
1: yeah, for me, I think Agile is not a, a, a very uh, big deal or it's not a new block. It's, it's, for me, Agile is being cool. You kind of adapt and you get to respond to changes quickly. And most importantly, you can discover and learn along the way of building the product. And you, you can make your mistakes and look back at it, learn from it. So for me, more than all, this Agile is like a It's a mindset that something is possible, uh, you know, on the way while you explode. So, and I strongly believe in it, not just in profession, but also in the personal life. And if you ask me why Agile is important, uh, professionally it simply offers a
0: competitive advantage what you could get by embracing it. That's it. Wow, great. Now, I will ask you this question because I have a different notion of Agile altogether. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I'll put forward my perspective. So, what I think is, yeah. um, it is going to work amazingly well for An internet business, right? Or a consumer internet-facing business. Um, And since you told me that you have worked on healthcare domains, uh, automotive uh, markets, can agile be applied over there? Because you are contributing to a much larger uh, group of people. And as I said, the after effects of failing fast or all of that could be detrimental. So how did you navigate along those challenges because we're failing fast in terms of finding a solution or it could be a software solution that we worked upon as well. But how did you navigate through that?
1: I I think it's uh, just a myth that, uh, you know, Agile can be used only in the IT or the internet. Yeah, I think it's more popular. It's definitely more popular, proven and people have probably embraced it more faster there. But I've heard of manufacturing plants adapting Agile. And even with my experience, we have set up an agile framework for sales, as cool as that. So sales is something which comes probably even after uh, you know, irrespective of the product you build, whether it's the manufacturing or the software. So we have had kind of an agile very cool team sales colleague. We had the purchasing department. We even had um, you know uh, people who are not so contributing to the development. All of us coming to get together and responding quickly and trying to establish this product and quickly going right. So as I said, if I take the same example where, you know, we just stepped in from one uh, property, a mobility domain to a healthcare. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though the product involved r software, it was an IoT solution. It had lot of hardware, it had firmware. And even we involved the sales colleagues to pitch in and get the customers in agile mode. So, I strongly believe it's just about the way you do, how quickly you adapt, how do you embrace things, how do you approach things, how do you look at a mindset. So, there uh, I still have hope that
0: Agile can be inspired. On that note, I also wanted to check with you or even get your insights on how do you build these high-velocity teams because that's a, um, that's the lingo that Agile people use, right? So, how do you build these yes, high-velocity right. teams or what does it even mean or how do you achieve that?
1: Yeah, I think uh, uh, high velocity, see velocity is now kind of a, uh, something very popular. Everyone who talk about wants to have a very high velocity, high performing team. For me, velocity is only like a self-check. It's something like a BMI of the body. It's, it's something organic what uh, suits you and how you're able to you know be fit. That's how I see velocity as. It shouldn't be considered as a metric or it's not a comparing parameter. Uh, This team has, it's it's a very popular myth in Agile, right? What's your velocity? So that's not a question what an external should ask someone who's performing within the team. It's something what a question comes from within the team on how we are doing it. So it's a self-benchmarking and it's probably doing better every day from within. Having said that, how do you uh, have a high velocity team? For me, I think just let it be. Don't make a big fuss out of it or don't micromanage or don't try to imbibe things and force a kind of a culture into the team. If you kind of let the team be organic, have the trust in the team and let it self-organize, I see Velocity will be just an outcome which we can stand for.
0: That, That gives me or brings me to an excellent question again, which is how do you resist to micromanage? Because it's easy for us to not micromanage, but when the kind of work that we do, has an immediate effect on cost or top-line revenue that an organization is making. How do you resist to micromanage? How do you stop yourself from asking these questions or micromanaging people?
1: I think asking questions is physically okay. That, I think that's not micromanaging. Asking questions, anyone could ask questions. In fact, you need to kind of uh, have a culture where you deck the team questions themselves. So how do I resist the micromanage? I'll just take a very uh, uh, common example. I'm a parent, I'm a mother of a toddler who's three years old. Uh, some of these aspects of management can be beautifully drawn parallel with kids. I think kids are the best teacher. So there was a stage when I had shifted from uh, uh, you know, feeding to solid. And uh, typically I had the urge to kind of look into how much is he eating? How am I going to ensure all of this is going in? How many meals per day? I try to kind of distract feed and uh, the meantime, it got very, very tedious. where I had to literally measure how much he's eating, try to stuff in food, show TV, show that, compare with all other kids. But then I realized that's only stressing me out. If I try to get into every smaller aspect, uh, you know, food is very important. That's going to be like your ecosystem within the body till you uh, uh, breathe last. Then I just took a step back and I just put some few pieces of food on the plate and I just went away. Slowly things were getting better and uh, I was kind of giving him the capacity to judge his own stomach. So that lesson and the way beautifully now where I can see him see, and it takes me very less effort and very less stress. This was something I tried kind of drawing a parallel into management. So why don't you just trust the team? Why don't you just let them pick what they want to do and how they want to execute it? And be as an enabler rather than manage it. So, uh, this I kind of experimented and I felt the results are more uh, lasting and sustainable. Yeah, of course, you will not be able to see the results immediately, but if you just let the team be what it is, trust them, enable them, and motivate them, I think that that's the best way of uh, uh, enabling rather than managing.
0: Which again brings me to another question. Um, so, you said experimenting, which gave you the room with yes. your toddler at the moment. How do you experiment with these teams, when you, especially when you have a delivery in a couple of weeks? Typically, in an Agile framework, you will have to deliver within two weeks or four weeks time frame, I assume, right? So, how do you yeah. experiment yeah. within that time frame that you've got? Is it detrimental? What are the challenges that you see? Give us your thoughts. Yeah, I think the Agile framework itself is
1: beautifully built in on experimenting. Uh, the failing fast mode, where uh, see, in a, typically in a traditional project management or experiment, the period or the result period would be a little longer. Here it's only a week or 10 days, or typically if I take an average of 10 days, like consider a sprint. So, there when you experiment and when you retrospect, you already know whether it's working or not. And based on those results, you can quickly adapt to the next. So, it's not a very huge. Uh, It's not something magical or it's not something which you'll have to spend a lot of time on. You would eventually get to know when that sprint is over. So I think agile is built on that mode and how do we experiment here? We we also have delivery, we also have to take care of the deadline. But we need to understand pressurizing or doing the micromanagement and giving the command control mode might work in the short term, but it would lapse on a sustainable long-term strategic mode. So, it is better to let the experiments fail quick, adapt and then build and then something.
0: Amazing. On that note, how do you handle introverted people on your team? Do you have any? And if if yes, how do you handle them?
1: Uh, My belief is the team is of course a mixture of, it's like a family, right? Not everyone is the same. Everyone has their personal character, uh, the nature by which they are brought up. So, my belief is, yeah, I have had introverts and um, yeah, I, it has taken them weeks to even open up. But what I have learned is just respect that it is okay to be an introvert. Give in them that space, give them that time, and, and still involve them. So, maybe they would take time, but they would observe how the team is mingling in a stand up or how the team is kind of interacting with each other. So, involve them, but do not force them and respect them. Probably they would have their own way of expressing. So, just pick up that and work on it. I think that diversity, uh, we talk about diversity in uh, culture, diversity in uh, gender, diversity in the way we work. So, this is the diversity in the person you are. Just respect it. Give them the
0: time and space. Amazing answer. I think culture, I am a big fan of culture as well, Pavitra. The simple reason is culture is made by the people who were in it at that point in time. So, if you can take care of the people who are there uh, at that moment in time, uh, I think it makes a lot right. of difference for the projects as well. Now, how important right. it is for us to be technical, uh, Pavitra? Or do we even have to be technical as managers, as product managers, as project managers? How important it is? Uh, I think the very word technical, at
1: least for me, it's quite, uh, people have different perspective on it. Technical uh, for a developer or for a pressure or someone who's into the product development could be coding or could be giving the hands on it. For a salesperson, even if you know about the product, that is a technical knowledge. So it really depends on the context, but coming from an engineering company like uh, uh, Robert Bosch, where we are into the management of products and projects, technical intelligence would help us to kind of enable people and help you to build the right product. And it gives you a better understanding on what you build. So for me, technical is... The technical knowledge of the product and you know what to build and what direction to it and the other details of course we have the skill skills where people take care of it so for me as a manager the process people, product knowledge is very important so if you consider that as technical yeah we need to have the
0: technical intent. I completely agree with that as well um, how do you motivate your team like for example you know that in two weeks of time you haven't delivered something and your product backlog typically keeps growing all the time. It never shrinks. And in my experience, it has always grown. How do you keep the morale up? How do you motivate your team?
1: Yeah, I I, I think it's definitely uh, important to be motivated because uh, there are only few things which as a project manager, we have in control. For example, if we talk about the rewards and the award system and the salary and all that, that's pretty much in the forte of a company, right? That's not something what we can take care of. But there are... Something for sure we could take care of. I mean, instead of being very generic, let me just take an example. So uh, we have some processes which are mandatory, right? Like you would have to find out why the quality is different, why there are so many issues, and all these retrospections and the ceremonies come into picture every sprint. Sometimes you know you don't get that response, and the team is a little uh, demotivated to kind of uh, pour in and be there every sprint, acting like the delivery. So I'll just give you an example of a simple exercise. I did. So after a milestone, I wanted the team to come together and give me some inputs. So I did not start directly with the presentation on what went well, what did not go well. I said, give me 15 minutes, I'm going to present something. What I had done was I had mapped a cartoon character to my team was around 15 or 19 that time. So I had uh, invested some time and talked through what kind of people are. And I had mapped a cartoon character to each one of them. I had Hulk, then I had Spider-Man, then I had <laughs> Bhaspari. So all that, and people really enjoyed it. And the post that session, I could see some kind of and people kind of participating to it. And uh, and even today, we kind of address some people with that nickname, what we formed. So what I mean to say is that people element, especially in the digital mode, to get that attention or to think in some perspective and get the point or the outcome of the meeting, post it is really helpful. This is what at least... I have discovered. So try to have something, uh, keep that right part of the brain on throughout your meeting. Have something out of the way and have something uh, questioning or interrogating, something which people would uh, kind of respond to and relate to. And if you keep that people element and what is in it for them and uh, some kind of, uh, um, uh, you know, you can capture their heart and soul to it, I think it works well, right, even if it is a very hard for technical.
0: You wonderfully set it up for my next question as well, Pavitra. So, I'm a
1: Uh
0: um, firm believer of having a good EQ on a team, emotional intelligence, than even playing on IQ. Because I believe that IQ will get commoditized over the next decade or over the next five years as well. And EQ is something that you need to have. Now, when we are going through this transformation, everyone is talking about Mm -hmm. EQ, which is empathy and, and being empathetic towards your colleagues or being kind. And I think I am seeing a paradigm shift from, Mm. um, you know, a a, a boss and an employee culture versus being friends. Right? Being friends with your manager. So why do you think it is important? And uh, have you done it? If you've done it, how did you put it to play? I I love this question. Thanks for that,
1: Charit. I think the empathy, uh, being kind to people... Um, then understanding, getting into a little more of interpersonal skills, all that have traditionally been marked as a feministic value. If you think in traditional leadership or management, um, we had that kind of, uh, it was so-called classified as mastermind value, command and control, the communication skills, getting things, the planning, all that. But I think post-pandemic, at least, it has been very much proven the so-called mass feministic values are those which have made the change and enabled the transformation of what we are today. We talk about collaboration, then we talk about, you know, uh, more flexibility, uh, let us continue to work from home, let us understand the work-life balance. That earlier we had work and life. I think now it's all just in one place. Uh, we suddenly have HR policies which are more family-oriented, we involve them. So all these have made the you know, the rising expectations balance to what we can deliver. So as organizations have come out effortlessly to stand behind the employees, ensure their safety, um, you know, well-being during the pandemic, so those are the ones which have made the difference and kind of brought out what it is. So today, uh, if you talk about any daily talks or what the leaders talk, we talk about empathy. They talk about what uh, uh, they would do to understand their employees, the need of the colleagues, you know, and simultaneously stay on the growth track. So, that paradigm shift has definitely been enabled to reach so-called feministic values. And I think uh, the pandemic has brought it out in light. So, yeah, kudos to it. It's great. So, I would personally value emotions. And I always value copability rather than capability. And uh, EQ and VQ together,
0: I think it's in the rock. I completely agree. And uh, I saw this meme somewhere and uh, I also remember that we also were a great fan of memes during our Agile conference. I saw a meme that (laughs) um, recently that some of the leaders, I mean, some of the changes in the organizations that the leaders could not bring for a very long time, I think the pandemic has brought it right away. So, and you rightly put it across. Um, what yeah, is the yeah. one common myth about our professions that you would like to debunk?
1: Um, I wouldn't say profession because I think there is lot and lot of uh, myths revolving around IT that we just look at the computer, tuck 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 only uh, brain work. I think we do beyond that. So today, if you take any sector, you you talk about agriculture, ITs there. You talk about railway, ITs there. You talk about food industry anything that connects people i think we are there so we have pretty much broken all those uh, myths of you know uh, the kind of uh, degree of uh, work or the labor what we do but uh, there is one myth in it which i would like to break taking my example there is a myth that if you are in a company for very long you kind of uh, get stagnant i want to debunk that uh, the point is where you are matters but what and how you do things matter the more. So I joined at a freshman. It could have completed around 10 years. I've been in the same department. So even technically, I've got like wide range of experiences from, you know, being an established project, which is now running for more than 15 years, which is still the cash cow of the department, where process and all that takes a kind of a, a more um, importance. And I've also been to models of automation where projects were scrapped out, but I got the best learnings in terms of you know, performing a cost-benefit analysis, how do you convince your customers? And today I speak to the mobility sector where we are building a digital ecosystem. And I believe work, uh, apart from this, all the extracurricular activities, the event management, uh, the anchoring, being there for ideation workshops, all that has brought out the best uh, project or program management skills. You know, when you do an event, that is when you learn what is the program management, the project management. Because you have budgeting there, you have scheduling, you have to handle dynamics, you have to handle people in motion, you have to handle risk management, being agile. So all that i thoroughly enjoyed and uh, today when people ask me how should you been there for ten years without jumping? I would rather say I think that variety is being the spice. So it is about what do you undertake and how do you do and how do you make a difference. Stands out. So probably even if I jumped like a company, this wide range of experience and the variety probably I might not have guessed it. So,
0: don't wait for an opportunity, just grab it, shine it and make a difference. Nice, sweet. Um, how do you hire people on your team, uh, Pavitra? Do you make those choices? Um, in what? Um, go ahead, go ahead, please. I didn't get that
1: last part, your voice. So, how do
0: you hire people on your team?
1: How do I hire? Yeah, I think of course the technical um, uh, excellence of course matters, it has to match with what we are looking for. But beyond that, one thing what I look for is the co like you know the attitude really matters. So this might be a popular dialogue, but why that has happened, we have had experience, especially when we talk about an agile team, collaboration really matters. So like now we have executed the project for one year. We have already a set benchmark of how the team, how so well it collaborated. So when you get a new person onto the team, the balancing of the dynamics matters, and dynamics is directly proportion to your delivery trust me. So when you have to balance that dynamics, what matters? It, it, it's the attitude and how the person is. So we always look for a very collaborative person in our team, and that has worked best for us.
0: I completely agree. And even I keep saying this or uh, one of the mantras that I also use while hiring um, is that if, if the person joining can understand or uh, can roll with my current boys and girls in the team and he has to just gel well with the team. So that's one of the most important things that I look for because hiring is guessing. You know, after you, you hire, only then you know. Um, so I think we all get better with it as uh, with our experience. So thank you for that one, mantra. Uh,
1: now... hi, five for Akshara. I am a strong believer of that as well. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Now, I want to ask you a very interesting question. How would your parents describe what you do for a living? Uh,
1: my parents, I think, typical uh, stereotype. They say, software engineer. <laughs> but at least I think uh, my parents at least understand that I do something beyond. Because one day, they see me kind of, even you know, one sudden day, they see me going for a conference or a technical... Uh, I guess, so they understand, I think this is where I um, probably want to be or she's taking out things but you she can't within that something. but yeah, if they have to describe what I do. They say that you know, um, I'm a software engineer but they're very proud of the fact that I've been in Bosch. I mean, just a small story connected to that. So when I was in my high school, the, we used to say, in to So myself and my dad, we used to go shopping to Majwala markets to, you know, buy vegetables. So on the way back, I think I didn't have a ambition or something that time. I looked at the uh, building, Pormangla building, that time there was no forum. So I said one day I would get into a company like this. So I, didn't, I didn't know I would take it that seriously. So probably kind of, I'm in a place where I aim to be. Uh, but for parents, yeah, I think they've given me a lot of independence in choosing. But if you ask them to describe what I do, it would be a software engineer.
0: <laughs> so love that. Um, I want to ask you an interesting question so what is the one thing that your program did for your um, client that you did not expect like a fork in the road like an unexpected situation where everything uh, in front of you was a hurdle so what was that did you ever have that kind of situations with your clients?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say a calm, but a sudden unexpected U-turn. So initially when we started the project, it was like in, in our company at least we have typically a project um, ownership where it lies with the client and we do the engineering activities or where we take the complete ownership. So at least when we started the project, initially the client did not believe in Agile because I don't know because of the previous uh, experience with Agile or uh, uh, not sure uh, the different kind of aspects which we came across. Hmm. so uh, then we executed and after some time he said I think now I understand what the <laughs> topic is. and the utile for us was um, "Sharat, I yes. think I am not
0: able to hear you am I audible now? yeah
1: you are audible now and how about me?
0: yes 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 go ahead I think this is a classic uh, okay. case of people asking am I audible and all of our discussions over the internet all of our virtual engagements happen with this one question can you hear me first (laughs)
1: can you hear me is my screen visible yes uh... yes
0: (laughs) well i i keep joking as well it's with some of the clients that i'm working um for right now i even tell them that you know what this this can you see or my internet dropped is like saying i'm stuck in traffic Ah. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's a common reason. Go ahead. Um, I, I, I'm I sorry for uh, interrupting. Go ahead.
1: No, not at all. So, what I was saying, we had a U-turn. Went from engineering responsibility, he, from project manager. Uh, he gave us a kind of a full-stack product management experience and he entrusted it with the entire project. So, right from customer onboarding to uh, indirectly marketing it and to take the ownership of the product, build the product roadmap. And for the kind of a digital marketplace ecosystem what we are building, is a complete strategic project, which at least I see a roadmap of next two to three years. So that was a pleasant roadmap where, no you know, a lot of uh, uh, kind of sudden ownership and something which we're not used to and we only focus on the engineering. So that was a little interesting for me and we are, I think we're grabbing it as an opportunity and we're still uh, uh, probably thinking aloud on how to go ahead with this. This is just one incident what I could share of, Yeah.
0: Great, great. So, what do you think is overrated about our profession? What do you think is underrated about our profession?
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, That's my personal view. I feel some of these certifications are kind of overrated. I mean, not any, but uh, especially in project management, uh, compared to the technical career path, uh, the, the the kind of that branding, the certifications of project management, that is a little overrated. Of course, I do important branding, is, you know, to some extent it can take your career, right? but that slight more focus on the typical certification. And what is underrated is probably uh, the range or uh, the categories of work what we do. I think uh, we are into a lot more different scenarios than what people think of. The kind of stakeholders what we deal with, for instance, is to talk to the management, the process guys, the client, uh, the team, then to ourselves sometimes. So I think sometimes we are a punch bags. And the range of topics what we deal with, it has soft skill, it has technical, it has people management, it has risk management. So that work or the range of categories of work as I said, uh, which has um, uh, leadership and the product touch with it, that is a little bit underrated.
0: Oh, I truly agree with the certifications, Pavitra. I see a lot of them uh, going through these certifications. No offense to anybody, but uh, I yeah, would love right, to right. see these skills <laughs> put to play, right? Uh, that's when you will actually read whatever you learn. It's like, um, I, we all finished engineering, but we realized after we got our jobs, um, how hard it is to actually put those things to play. So all of those exactly. people, all of those listeners who are actually pursuing your certifications, put them to play, please. Please. Now, one interesting question that I wanted to ask you, Pavitra, is when will Pavitra say I made it in my career? What's your ambition? What do you want to be known for, both professionally and uh, personally as well? To be very honest, I, I do not have any uh, kind of,
1: you know, that goal and then I'm trying to hit that bull's eye. But one thing which has kept me going and uh, where I already feel I believe it is the HQ. This is just a new terminology I've heard of EQ, VQ, IQ, so many things this is HQ. HQ is like happiness quotient for me. So if I take up anything, any activity or any event or any project or a, a small venture in my personal life, if it is able to satisfy my soul and I feel that happiness, I think then I feel I've made it.
0: I truly agree with you and I cannot thank you for that answer, Pavitra, because happiness drives everything. And even in teams that we have today, if the team is happy, I think it's easy for us to motivate them. I think it's easy for us to keep the morale up. Everything just falls into place, isn't it? It's like a marriage that happens. Um, Although it's tough, you know, where people want to have each other's back. I think that kind of a team is really hard to achieve. And you hit the nail on the head. Happiness has to be the next important thing right after emotional intelligence. Now, thank you so much, Pavitra. And if people want to know more about you, where can they find you? Can you leave us your... Uh, the platforms that you're on, where they can connect with you more to ask these questions personally and both professionally? Yeah, you know, I think probably a
1: mix of platform or an informal one. I think I'm there on FP and I'm there on LinkedIn as well. So, yeah, anytime I... I 31 collaboration, I'm a very very uh, people looking forward kind of a person so looking forward for a lot of interactions and discussions and Sharad, thanks a lot for this, this is very very interesting questions and I thoroughly enjoyed the session
0: Thank you, thank you so much Pavitra and thank you for um, agreeing on a weekend and uh, thank you for taking the time out today and even speaking with me Thank you so much Pavitra
1: All the best Sharad, good going with the podcast,
0: yeah. Thank you See thank you, you, you soon, bye bye See you then, bye guys. So, if you enjoyed the episode, please do leave us a review. And until next time, thank you so much.